Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. And I am on a quest to find doctors, solutions, tech innovations, and programs to help you live longer, healthier, and happier. Now, at the Vader Health Conference last week, I was super excited to meet Patrick Chung, who is the co-founder and general partner at X Fund, which is focused on digital health. Hey, Rena. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, quick introduction to, to Patrick, who is amazing. He's also a Harvard MBA. Uh, but Patrick is a co-founder and general partner of X-Fund, which he spun out of NEA, Axel, Breyer, and Polaris. And prior to that, he was a partner at NEA, where he led the firm's consumer and seed investment practices. He is also a director of 23andMe, uh, CrowdMed, Rock Health, some amazing startups and some amazing investors, uh, incubators as well. Again, Patrick, super excited to have you chatting with us today about how we can all live longer, healthier, and happier with the help of startups that you are funding. So let's start with, tell me a little bit about XFund. Who are you funding? What stage? How much? And uh, uh, a little bit about your rock star portfolio companies. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Rena. Um, XFund is an early stage venture capital firm uh, that was founded by NEA, Excel, uh, and Briar Capital in partnership with Harvard University. And so uh, we are an early stage venture capital firm. We do seed investing, Series A, Series B. Uh, and really the, the kind of the model for us is that we back the types of people that we call liberal arts founders. Um, these are people who uh, aren't necessarily uh, narrowly technical, although they are very technically competent, but they just have something more than a, um, you know, a strict engineering or science background. They have uh, an ability to think broadly, to think laterally, uh, to have social insights um, that we believe are going to uh, create more valuable, more durable, more interesting companies um, in, in, our, in, in the phase in which we're living now. You obviously have seen a lot of uh, digital health startups and uh, continue to do so. What areas of innovation are you most excited about specifically as it pertains to our favorite topic, which is living longer, healthier, and happier. Well, I think one of the great things is the devolution of healthcare and health knowledge from uh, this kind of paternalistic uh, vision of a physician in a hospital system or a government knowing everything there is to know about you and then kind of telling you what you should do uh, to real consumer empowerment. Um, and this has been a, a long-term, decades-long trend uh, that we feel is accelerating uh, for the first time because of the Internet, because of mobile devices, because of wearables, because of just general uh, better knowledge. Uh, consumers are understanding their healthcare and their cells uh, and their genomes uh, in a way that's never been possible before and helping doctors and helping the medical establishment uh, make better decisions for their healthcare, and I hope for the system at large. Uh, and so I think that kind of constant devolution to the individual uh, taking more uh, power and responsibility for their healthcare is a really exciting 
uh, development because it means that uh, all of us can be equipped with tools uh, that we never dreamt we would have before in exactly the same way as, for instance, um, personal computing gave us uh, power and tools that we never had before. The mobile phone gave us power and capabilities and tools that we never had before. Uh, I think healthcare is moving exactly in that same direction. And, and that's where it needs to be. My own personal experience tells me that each patient has to be, or each consumer has to be the CEO of their own health, their own health boss, as I call it. I think the challenge, Patrick, we face is that there is a lot of fear, and then there is a lot of overwhelming information. Um, those two challenges of sort of, do I really know better than my doctor? And then, of course, the challenge of, oh, my God, there's so much out there. Where, where do I even begin? Um, paralyzes consumers. How do you see us accelerating consumer empowerment? Because I, I love the fact that the trajectory is there, the momentum's there, but how do we get to where we start to see it um, at a tipping point? Well, I think it's important to note that, you know, when I say consumers are more empowered to be, as you put it, the CEO of their own health care and the, their, their own health bosses, it doesn't mean that we... Um, you know, re we replace doctors, the medical establishment. You cannot today prescribe yourself a drug just because you read about it on the internet. You cannot today order a surgery for yourself. All of those decisions ultimately lie in the in the healthcare providers and the physicians and and healthcare systems um, that are charged with it, that do have that that knowledge, all the, all the training, uh, and ultimately a responsibility to keep you healthy. But I think what we're talking about here is a new level of um, you know, just to con continue this kind of business metaphor, a new level and depth of due diligence um, before you kind of make a decision. Um, no one is going to be more concerned with your health than you are. Uh, doctors and health systems have very limited time in which to kind of uh, examine the nooks and crannies of every single um, aspect of, of, your, of your physical and mental health. And so where I feel that... Um, consumers can make a real difference is because we come armed into our doctor's offices and hospitals with more knowledge about ourselves, more awareness of ourselves, and frankly, more awareness of different treatments that you know doctors and, and, and health systems may not yet have heard of, um, we're able to kind of increase the solution set from which the doctor, uh, in partnership with the patient, uh, can determine the best course going forward. Absolutely. So there's, there clearly needs to be a two-fold path moving forward. One is letting consumers know about the various options and the new innovations, and then, of course, the doctors as well. How are you seeing your digital health startups working on the end with doctors, with healthcare companies, while they pursue a direct path to consumer adoption? Well, I think it's a it's a complicated relationship now, and I think it's you know if I could generalize kind of one important dynamic of it, I'd say it's it, it feels at this point very generational. I think we have a generation of physicians who grew up kind of in in an old school mentality, which was in in my you know this is just one person's opinion, but in in my view very paternalistic that you know consumers don't know anything that they should not be given knowledge, that they should just listen to me and shut up and do what I want. Um, and, and I think that that for many years kind of worked very well for, for that uh, generation of physicians. Um, but when you talk to physicians who are being trained today um, and who are maybe just starting to practice, I think that you'll find a, a real generational shift. They are more open um, to 
you know, in some manner being educated by their patients, educated by their patients about the patients themselves and educated by the patients by treatments and approaches that they may not have yet had the time to, to fully explore. Um, and so we see that uh, in many of our companies um, you know, that, that empower consumers. You have, uh, in general, kind of more progressive, forward-thinking physicians who kind of embrace it and know that they're, the, the health of positive health outcomes that they're going to help, help to produce are more likely in partnership uh, with the patient rather than kind of in a, in a kind of dictatorial, paternalistic uh, approach. Mm-hmm. How does the consumer get that information that they need? Um, I, you know, most doctors will tell you, do not go to Dr. Google. Dr. Google will mislead you. You're going to think um, you have terrible diseases. Um, that, that's been the at least my personal experience when I go into doctor's offices. But when I, when, when I Googled, you know, I get a sharp reprimand, like, don't do that, don't do, don't be Dr. Google. So where, what do you recommend, or what, what startups are out there that are saying, we're going to help with just consumer empowerment of knowledge, so they can go and smarter and, and better prepared to their doctor's offices? Yeah, like like everything else. I mean, when your doctor, the story that you just told is a very common one, where your doctor says, "Look, I don't don't go don't go googling all your health symptoms, symptoms. Otherwise, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get panicked." Um, you know, doctors can continue to have that attitude, uh, but at the end of the day, they're fighting against uh, really an inexorable tide. You're not gonna get consumers to uh, exist in states of intended ignorance. You're not going to get, you know, if something's really ailing me or my or member of my family, I'm not going to sit by and kind of not learn about it. Of course, I'm going to learn about it. And so the tools available to us um, today are just like you said, like, like you know, I- I- in this kind of recent um, phase of kind of real news versus fake news. Yeah, there's a lot out there that, that perhaps is very alarming. That's probably not very true, not applicable to particular cases. But again, I think if you go to trusted sources and some of the trusted sources that we have invested in, 23andMe, uh, GoodGuide, uh, CrowdMed, I think are really high integrity. Um, and the real test for this is, you know, you, you go to GoodGuide. GoodGuide is a wonderful company founded by a Berkeley professor named Dara O'Rourke. Um, GoodGuide is a comprehensive, authoritative resource for information about the health performance of consumer products of all types. You're so your shampoo, your car, your computer, um, baby, baby uh, items. Um, and uh, over time, if you follow, if you, if you, you know, buy this shampoo over that shampoo that has far fewer carcinogens in it, um, you should you should notice the difference. You should say, you know what, this is this is really working for me, and I actually feel healthier. Uh, I actually feel better. Uh, and so I, I view the kind of information marketplace of health information, just as I view any other marketplace, which is it's open and, and, and in the short term, things might be driven by sentiment or fear, but in the long term, they're going to be driven by results. And so platforms like 23andMe, like GoodGuide, uh, are proven because the people who have participated in them have actually gotten some useful data from them and have actually, in many cases, um, uh, become healthier. I'd love to chat more about all of the four companies that you mentioned, but before we dive into those, um, I'm going to have you answer our favorite three questions, which is the first one is, so in our quest to find um, one or two companies that are going to help us live longer, healthier, and happier, 
what company are you most excited about in your portfolio or in your sphere that's going to help us and our listeners live longer? Well, live longer, um, you know, the one that I'm most excited about on that dimension is a company called CrowdMed. Uh, CrowdMed was founded by a spectacular uh, CEO named Jared Heyman. And Jared's uh, sister, um, you know, when she was, I think it was 16 years old or so, um, it came down with, with this mystery disease. She got very, very tired. She couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Um, you know, just total lethargy. You know, the, her parents and her family couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. And they took her to specialists and doctors all over the United States, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of their own, of their own money um, pursuing all sorts of different treatments. Um, and in the end, um, you know, after visiting so many different specialists, finally got to a specialist that said, well, gosh, you've ruled out these dozens of diseases. It could be this very rare disease, which I forget the name of, but it has like, you know, m multiple complicated words to it. Um, and indeed, the, the cure for this particular rare disease was that uh, Jared's sister simply had to wear a patch, a hormone patch on her arm. In 48 hours, she sprung back to life. It was as though nothing happened. She had had to drop out of college. She got to go back to college, finish her degree, and now is leading a happy, normal life. Um, Jared looked at that, and that, that, by the way, that entire episode took three years out of her, his, his sister's life. And Jared looked at that and said, there must be a better way to to do what we've just been through. Um, and so what he did was, you know, she had three years of medical records. He posted just one and a half years of medical records on a new platform that he developed called CrowdMed. And he said, here's my sister's medical records well before any diagnosis was, was, uh, was determined. Guess what my sister has? And in 30 hours, 30 hours, just a little bit more than a day, um, the, the futures market that CrowdMed ran for her popped up with exactly her correct diagnosis. And so Jared had just discovered something. He discovered that a mystery illness that had taken the medical establishment three years to diagnose, he could do online in 30 hours. Um, and he's, he's performed this uh, service again and again and again for all sorts, for hundreds of patients uh, who have who have had rare diseases and who who have gone undiagnosed. Um, in Jared's sister's case, um, this was very fortunate because her her disease was not degenerative enough that it would you know for instance would have um, you know curtailed her life in in three years. But as you know, there are many diseases for which you know you don't have the luxury of three years to wait. You, and, you know, right. and if you don't determine what's going on uh, and intervene. Uh, you may not get to see the end of three years. Um, so this is an amazing company that when you ask, you know, how can, how can companies help people live longer? This is a company that has helped people live longer um, because we, we diagnose diseases effectively at, at almost zero cost, zero time uh, when it's taken the medical establishment and, and individuals kind of multiple years and in, in Jared's sister's case, of course, hundreds of thousands of dollars. God, I've, I've literally got goosebumps because I, I'm looking at the site and I, I can think of several people that I would like to send to this wonderful site um, because they have exactly that issue which is no one can figure out what was, what's wrong with them. I personally would have been a great candidate for this 18 months ago when conventional doctors, all eight of them, nine of them said, we don't know what's wrong with you. Here, take some steroids and go home. 
uh, and please don't come back. Um, so it's it's a phenomenal idea. What a great company! And frankly, yeah, and they, you know, it's actually, based on a it's based on a really unique insight, which is that you know a doctor in her career, uh, you know, might see, and obviously many doctors have different different practices, but a typical doctor might see, you know, I don't know, fifteen thousand patients in her career. Um, mm-hmm. And for a disease, especially rare diseases that maybe have uh, occurrence one in every 10,000 patients or one in every 50,000 patients, what are the chances that your doctor who in the space of a decades-long career sees 15,000 patients is going to see an incidence of a disease that occurs once out of every 50,000 people? Um, and so his, his basic insight was if you expose the symptoms and the fact pattern to multiple intelligent medical detectives, as, as they're called on CrowdMed site, um, you increase your chances that one of them will trigger and say, aha, I know exactly what that is because I've seen that before. And once you have the name of the disease, then you know, then you know kind of what the, the state-of-the-art treatment uh, exists for it. Um, and, and at least you're able to kind of take action right away. But it's the, it's the kind of, in many cases, a years-long waiting and uncertainty um, that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not only have a physical toll on the patient, but a very significant mental toll on the patient. Oh, that's huge. Not knowing is the biggest issue. Once you know, you can begin treatment. It's the not knowing that really, really is, is painful. So that's a great, great company in the how to help you live longer. How about healthier? Which so, company are you excited about there? Yeah, one of the most exciting companies uh, in, in that category, um, in fact, in every category, is 23andMe. Um, you know, 23andMe, uh, you know, the leader in personal genomics, um, you pay uh, $199 or just simply $99 for the Ancestry-only product, um, and you get to discover some amazing things about your health. Uh, what happens is that we send you a small uh, spit kit, you spit into it, you send it back to us, we will uh, genotype you, we'll sequence, uh, not fully sequence your DNA, but, but genotype about 2 million SNPs of your DNA and tell you all kinds of things about your health, your propensity to develop all types of diseases, the cancers, etc. Um, but also fun facts about yourself, like you know whether you have dr- wet or dry earwax, or whether you have sprinter's genes or long-distance runner's genes. Um, and once the consumer, again, getting back to what we, we started talking about, um, once you empower consumers with knowledge about themselves, they're able to take their health into their own hands and, and, and produce more positive health outcomes. You know, I'll give you one very personal example. You know, as I got uh, a little bit older, I started to think, I started to feel very uh, bad every day. I started to have, you know, these stomach cramps and I had all sorts of in, uh, digestive problems. And, uh, you know, in most mornings I kind of felt like I, I, I felt a little bit nauseated. And so I went to see my doctor and my doctor said, you know what, as we get older, we simply feel that way. And I said, you, you don't understand, you know, I, I feel like I want to throw up some days. Uh, and he said, you know crazy. what, I feel that way too. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I he basically said, look, I know. He said, basically, look, kid, stop bothering me. Go home. You're fine. Um, until I, I did the 23andMe test. 
And the 23andMe test um, was very clear that I had a gene um, that makes me lactose intolerant. And lactose intolerance in many cases develops only kind of, you know, after your teen years. Um, and I had been doing what I have always done since childhood, which is every morning when I wake up, I have breakfast. And my breakfast is usually, you know, I have, I have uh, milk with cereal or milk with eggs or milk with an omelet or, you know, whatever. But I drank basically, you know, a pint of milk every day. And as I became lactose and as the lactose intolerance manifest, I be, it, was, it was literally poisoning me every single day. And so as soon as I found that out, I substituted uh, cow's milk for soy milk or almond milk. And I got to say, I feel a thousand times better today than I did when the doctor told me this is how we simply feel as we get older. Um, my story is just one of literally thousands of stories that we've received at that company uh, where you know, people have made medical discoveries or discoveries about their genetic propensity to develop all kinds of diseases and have taken preemptive um, action uh, against them. Um, you know, one, one example is, for instance, if you're diagnosed... Um, uh, not diagnosed, but if you happen to have the uh, genes that are highly correlated to Parkinson's disease, well, you know, there's not any cure for Parkinson's right now, but there is a growing body of research, for instance, um, that, that shows that if you, you know, people who have higher uh, intake of caffeine and lycopene, the, um, the, the substance in, very prevalent in tomatoes and other nightshades, that you will actually delay the onset of Parkinson's. And so if you find out, you know, in your 20s or, or 30s that you're susceptible to uh, having Parkinson's, then it's kind of like compounding interest. If you start early enough and you eat a lot of tomatoes and, you know, have a little bit more caffeine on the margin, the compounding effect of that may very well uh, delay the onset of Parkinson's. So instead of getting it in your, you know, 60s, you might get it in your late 70s. Um, and that's just another example of knowledge upfront being able to kind of guide your choices going forward. Um, you know, many of our, many people, you know, are, are susceptible to heart disease, um, atrial fibrillation, heart attack, etc. And if you know that you have a genetic predisposition to that, well, of course, you know, heart disease is, is a very complicated thing and it's partially genetic and partially behavioral. But if you knew that the genetic component predispose you to having a higher risk of, you know, heart disease, then at the margin, you know, you know, when, you, when you're deciding what to do tonight, um, I could sit on the couch and eat a pizza or maybe I should go for a run, you know, on the margin, you'll probably think you'll probably be more likely to go out for a run. And the Absolutely. compounding effect of having that kind of tipping of the scales, that little feather on the scale, but over across the next, you know, 10, 20, 50 years is going to have a real positive health impact um, and will, will decrease your chances of actually getting some, some type of heart disease. And the difference between those two, two scenarios is just simply that a company like 23andMe told you that. It armed you with the knowledge of yourself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, knowledge is power. Ignorance is death. And the challenge for us consumers has been that there was no way for us to know. And you're right, 23 now empowers us. And I would urge everyone listening on this podcast to get out there, go on to 23andMe and order a kit or go to Healerpedia and, and we're going to put a link on the show uh, notes as well. You know, get your DNA, get your family's DNA tested. Patrick, you're so right. If, if everybody knows, 
what it is that they have propensity towards in terms of illness and chronic disease, then we can start preparing towards preventing or pushing it out. Um, as opposed to waiting to fall sick, which is the current model, right? I mean, the problem with the current model is by the time you get to the doctor you're in, and you're complaining, you're already broken, right? By the time my liver enzymes are off on a chart, it's already quite late. Um, if I know my liver is, is underdeveloped, then I can start working on that, which was, by the way, one of my issues. I can start working on that um, from an early age. So no doubt about it, 23andMe is, is fantastic. I mean, do you see a world where it's mandatory? I mean, there's a lot of things we make mandatory um, these days, right? So kids have to get vaccines. I know that's under debate, but at this point it's mandatory. Do you see a world where doing a 23andMe equivalent or a 23andMe becomes mandatory? I mean, it's something just your doctor does when your child's born and you're raising your child based on what you know about that child's DNA. So I, I do see a world in which it's mandatory. Um, you know, whether or not it's uh, mandatory, I think, is more of a political question um, and a policy question. Um, so, you know, in this country, I think, you know, frankly, this country, because of its politics and, and, and health policy, is going to be probably one of the last countries to make it uh, mandatory. But you can imagine, in especially, you know, probably authoritarian governments to begin with, then quickly followed by governments where there's a single uh, health care provider, a nationalized health system like like they have in the United Kingdom or Canada or, frankly, most of the world, um, you can imagine that um, it would be in everyone's best interest that you all honestly probably wouldn't have to make it mandatory because everyone would already opt into it. So when you're born, parents would say, yes, please sequence my, my baby. And once your baby is sequenced, you'll discover, aha, these are the things that I have to look, uh, be extra vigilant about, and my child will have to be extra vigilant about, and that can only be a great thing, especially in a single payer system, uh, because you know when when the the single nationalized healthcare system knows, aha, this subset of my population is at very high risk for, for instance, breast cancer, and so I'm going to target them with messaging saying, hey, come in for regular mammograms, do self-inspections all the time. Um, and this, this category of people is going to be more susceptible to heart attacks. So I'm going to target preventative, you know, cardiovascular exercise messaging towards them. Um, not only will they produce a society that is healthier on average, but of course they will uh, produce a healthcare system that's less burdened by by you know the, these unexpected costs, when as you say, you know the only time you can you, you go into a doctor is when it's already too late, um, and so I, I I think that you know in the in the ideal scenario it's not mandatory, but it's in everyone's best interest and everyone does it no matter what. Um, but I do think that there will be um, societies that will make it mandatory just because it's just so it's so clear cut. Um, you know, I, I, I like to think about it as, you know, it's kind of like wearing a seatbelt. Um, that's yeah. mandatory and it, it exists because it's good for the driver, it's good for the passengers, it's good for the roads, it's good for everyone. That's right. That's right. All right. So what startup or startups are you excited about when it comes to helping each of us live a happier life? So Happier Life, I've got a great uh, company named Halo Neuro, and it was founded by Daniel Chow, who's a Stanford-trained neuroscientist, and Halo's mission is to improve the lives of people by enabling everyone to unlock their brain's full potential. Uh, the company has uh, built and has shipped uh, a really cool 
uh, headset. It's like a kind of like Dr. Dre's Beats headsets, kind of a chunky design, and you can listen to music on the headset, except the band that goes over your head makes light contact with the scalp and applies a very small charge, electrical charge to your scalp, which has the effect of lowering the activation energy for natural firing of, of your neurons. Uh, and and it, they can stimulate various parts of the brains with this technology, this transcranial direct current stimulation. And the effect of it is that it, it's, it does something that, that is called neuropriming. And neuropriming is to improve the brain's response to training, and to drive accelerated performance across a, a variety of measures. So when the company first released its product, it released with some amazing top-tier uh, customers like U.S. Olympic teams, uh, the Department of Defense, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, or the Pirates, um, you know, the Warriors, um, you know, major league sports teams, um, elite Olympic training centers, um, and it's because when you know when you when you wear this headset, um, you know two things happen. Uh, one is that uh, you are able to perform athletically in a way that you have never been able to perform before. Um, so the, the data that the company is throwing off is is truly amazing. You see, you know, twenty plus percent uh, increases in explosive power of muscles. Uh, you see higher levels of endurance. Um, and the company will run you through, uh, secondly, a series of, uh, of, of tests that um, are used to determine, uh, for instance, um, progression into dementia. So, um, you know, memory, reaction time. And you, you can't tell when this thing is on versus off because it's, so, it's such a gentle charge. Um, but when the thing is on, um, in some cases, you can do three times better than when it's off. Uh, and so it really has an amazing effect on the brain that is non-pharmacological, um, you know, non-invasive. You're not, you're not, you know, you're, you're not putting anything into the body. You're not putting a drug into the body. You're not putting a device into the body. And, and importantly, it's not actually kind of uh, stimulating your neurons to fire. Your neurons are firing anyway. Um, but what this does is just lowers the barrier, the activation energy, so that the natural firings of your brain, a larger percent of them get through to the, to the next neuron. Um, and it's a, it's a remarkable technology that has some very, very uh, impressive, compelling uh, double-blind scientific data behind it. And, and importantly, um, it's helping athletes um, and, and, and others, uh, you know, next down the line, kind of stroke rehabilitation victims um, perform in a way that, that uh, will, will definitely make them happier. I, I love it. Now, are, is this company live as well? And can yes, it is. Yep. Go show? to haloneuro.com. Okay. okay, fantastic. Um, I know we're coming uh, close to the end of our, of our show, but I can't let you go without asking do you think, based on everything you've seen and heard, are, are we going to be at some point able to just live forever? So it, I guess it depends what you mean by, by live forever. Will our kind of biological bodies exist in some sort of um, stasis forever? Um, you know, maybe. I, I personally don't think it'll happen. That version of living forever will happen in our lifetimes. Um, uh, 
But the other version, which is the singularity, which is, you know, just very uh, kind of uh, probably ineptly described, you know, you, you upload your the entire contents of your brain and therefore consciousness to a to a computer uh, and then, you know, your consciousness can live forever. Uh, will that be possible? Um, I think that that part of it will probably come before the kind of, um, you know, indefinite biological stasis. Yeah. And I think that, that, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, obviously for, for most of your listeners or maybe not, um, all of this sounds like science fiction. Um, but I think it's, it's, it, it raises some very deep philosophical questions, um, as to kind of what does it mean to be human? Um, you know, many people will say, and certainly this has been historically the case, what it means to be human is to be mortal. Um, And if you achieve immortality, are you are you actually? How does that change the nature of our existence? How does that change our um, perspective? Um, you know, I think there are you know just philosophically there are some very you can imagine some very positive things about that. If we all lived forever, well, I think most of us would care more about the environment and about creating an environment for our for our forebear our children to um to to continue to exist um but on the other hand i mean living forever gosh i mean that's uh you know if if you had if you had unlimited time um you know maybe you wouldn't make the most of today uh maybe there'd be a lot more kind of just sitting around doing nothing because you could always go back to college when you're when you're a thousand years old or you could always invent that thing that you've always dreamt you would invent 10,000 years from now instead of today um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's it's a bunch of interesting questions, but uh, I, I think some variation of of singularity like immortality will eventually exist. Um, I don't know if it'll exist in our lifetimes. Well, I'm glad Elon Musk is working on figuring out how to get to other planets and or figure out how to get us to live um, in space, because certainly this little Earth is not going to be able to handle. I think. Um, the the upward tick in life. Um, <laughs> well, you know, if we're if we're all part of the uh, Amazon cloud, then really, you know, physical space becomes <laughs> irrelevant, truly irrelevant. I mean, it just is, you know, how many electrons are on Earth, and that's 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 the uh, the new carrying capacity of this planet to so sustain true. quote unquote life. Um, what would American commercialism do? What would happen to all those <laughs> right. and those makeup companies and those magazines? My God, the mind boggles. Well, I think it would be a very interesting new world for sure. Patrick, this has been great. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out for, for sharing all your wonderful companies and startups that are doing amazing things. I thank you again. And uh, for those of our listeners out there, make sure you check out the show notes because we're going to be posting some links to these amazing startups so you can get out there and live a longer, happier, healthier life. Till next time, this is Rina Jadov. Take care. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.